Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bayo bam, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tao I make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No nigga disallowed me, positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to our sports fans. It is the MKT show. What a weekend of sport. What a weekend of the Premier League, let's be honest. Um, pretty crappy rugby games in the World Cup. It's the thing about the Rugby World Cup, right? Um, you never really get like a full slate. You know what I'm saying? You don't get like a, okay, it's going to be a banger and there's 10 good teams, you know? Like in the Euros, there's 8 or 9 good teams. In the World Cup, there's 15 good teams which makes the group stages relatively interesting especially now with the way those sports are global like in rugby if you're not playing super rugby urc or like somewhere in europe you know like like brazil can have six guys who play in the brazilian league and it's great and so can argentina and so can i don't know italy england you know denmark are good so, so yeah, no rugby watching this weekend. <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me. Feeling, feeling a little, little rough in the throat area. But otherwise, feeling all good. Been training pretty hard this week. Feeling good. Feeling good heading into this, um, this week. Hope you had the greatest weekend of your life, whatever you're doing. Uh, what are we talking about today? I'll tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. I do that every single Monday. Probably just do it for the football season. Um, if you are new, that means I made some predictions. I've said some things where I'm right, where I'm wrong. And uh, because I'm a good person, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. And that's only because I'm a good person. And on Man United in crisis, and then we will talk about a mailbag issue, which is a real life issue. I don't know if this person wants me to read it on the podcast, but I will read it anonymously because it's quite a serious one. So I'll finish off with the mailbag uh, on the show uh be a friend tell a friend do like share subscribe give us a rating uh five stars obviously i mean can't give can you give four and a half don't think you can so if you're not giving five you're giving a four and that's oh man that's tough uh mkt inspires mkt at the mkt t-show uh if you want to slide in the dms or send me an electronic mail like it's 1855 1855. If you're a sports fan, it's the greatest time to be alive in the year right now. NFL's back, football's back, and there's no international break, I think, for a couple of weeks. Or is there one in October, I think? Oh, bloody hell. It's the worst. It's the bloody worst. Rugby World Cup will get interesting in about three weeks when we eliminate all the rubbish like Romania. I don't know why people think it's romantic to have those teams. Why, why is the Rugby World Cup just... Like eight teams. Why do we need the story of Fiji? Am I am I a bad person by just like not wanting the romantic? Like I don't romanticize losers. Like I don't go, oh, they've tried so hard. That's what high school's for. And club sport, you know? Like I love it at that level. 
and when children are developing, but I don't want to watch Portugal play rugby. They're crap. They're terrible. They're, it's a TV show. What are we doing? What what are we doing? And I like the, you know, those who know the show, I love sport. I, you know, it shapes my life. But I want to watch elite sport. I don't want to watch Romania. I don't want to watch Chile. Like, Santiago is one of my favorite cities in the world. Doesn't mean I want to watch teams that will probably lose to Grey Bloom, by the way. Absolutely horrendous. I, I don't know why we do this. It's far too many teams in the Rugby World Cup. Ten at most. Eight. Eight's enough. For me, eight is enough. Like we, we don't need Italy. Italy shouldn't even be in the Six Nations. I mean, I mean, maybe you could say, if, so five, yeah, I'd say eight. The Six Nations teams and kick Argentina out. They're a waste of time. Like, how long is it going to take you to get good? Just have New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and then the home nations in France. Like, what is the point of the rest? None of those other teams, I mean, I don't think any Northern Hemisphere team is good enough to stop the All Blacks and South Africa in concurrent weeks, but none of those other teams are going to be good enough to win it anyway. And if we're in the business of winning, why are we just shoehorning teams in? Now, people will say, oh, I thought you were in media. You understand that it's about money. I understand that. But one of the tricks the NFL does is that they don't have a gajillion teams. They've got 32 teams. Right, and 17 games. It's the smallest of the in terms of a rollout of the American sports, but it's king because it's got urgency. You know, in media, volume actually isn't a great thing. Scarcity and urgency is is hugely important for to sell a sporting product. That's why the Premier League's king. You know, you got 38 games. That's all you got. No one's or let's say the ratings for the NBA are down. Um, baseball's a joke, you know, and, and the way baseball money is made, it's it's quite complicated, actually. There's a reason why they can afford to pay guys $500 million. Very interesting financial structure. But NFL, 17 regular season games, three playoff games. There we go. It's 20 season, uh, two teams will play 20 games in a season if you win the Super Bowl or if you go to the Super Bowl. That's it. But it is king. Just signed a $200 billion contract in lockdown. Everyone else is in a recession, not the NFL. They get it, man. They get it. Just get the best people in. Get the nonsense out. That's why the Premier League works. Like, the Premier League is the 20 richest clubs in Europe. Arguably. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich aside. Anyway, I, I just I don't, I don't get the rugby world cup. I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't understand. And hit me up, MKT inspires. Am I crazy? Because maybe maybe I'm a cold person, but I'm like I just what's the point of Namibia being there? Within the next ninety years, they're not going to get better. They're not. Sorry, like unless rugby develops an English Premier League, a Serie A. A La Liga style where we've got four massive European leagues with 20 of the richest owners in the world. Where it's just big bucks and Peter Steph de Toy is playing for Stade Francais at his peak. You know, and then like the best, I don't know, 
the best Argentines are playing there as well, all at the same time with the same high-level coaching. Plus, you need to be getting Argentine and Chilean and Romanian and Georgian coaches coaching in the mix. You know what I mean? So that they can develop and go and coach the national teams as it works with football. But rugby is too parochial. Like, South Africans would never accept. Like, we're just losing all of our talent, which is slightly happening anyway. But but it's just not going to be accepted because rugby is a parochial elitist sport. And I think it's happy that way. So just make it, keep it small. Or not. People say, yes, but what about the underdog? I'm sorry, I'm so sick of listening to Samoa and Fiji and Tier 2 Nations winch. Like, get it together or jog on. Like, it's always like we don't have enough money. It's always corruption. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, sorry. We're in business or what here? You know, I like to think I'm a socialist, but come on, we're in business. Just a thought. Just a thought. All right, let's move on to rugby quickly. Uh, Marnie Liebock. Everyone's lo- loving him, hey? No look kicks and stuff like that. I see Pollard's back. W- what is the conversation here? You know, just put Pollard in if he's fit. He's clearly, and I need to be clear here, he is clearly a better test fly-off. Because test rugby has to be played to a pattern and a system. Don't express yourself. Money Libok cost South Africa so many points in the first half against Scotland. I know he got man of the match. But I don't really put much stock in that stuff anymore. Because the media decide, and mainstream media loves a good story versus what's happening. Money Libok actually played really badly in the first half. The reason Scotland were in the game... Was that he? I mean, it was complete domination by South Africa in the first half against Scotland, but there was no shape to the game. And I mean, probably getting into the weeds here, but but the point of the fly half is he must put the pack on the front foot and give the attack direction. The problem with guys like Mani Liebok is if he sees an overlap and let's say on that play it's meant to be dropped into a loose forward or a or a, a third fourth shoulder runner. He won't go with the script and he'll go out wide. And, and it looks flashy. And if it doesn't work out, people go, oh, at least South Africa at long last have a running fly off. I don't want to hear that. This is not the URC. Pollard is clearly a better test fly off. And people stop saying, yes, but what about New Zealand? That was one thing. I've told everybody this before. You are not your best and you are not your worst day in life. Everything else is what you are. A career is a body of work, and I have not liked what I've seen from Libok at all. Although I knew it was coming. And worst of all, he can't kick for poles. And I know that everyone's falling in love with the Sia Colisi message. I'm like, Sia, I don't want to hear that, dude. Like, it's all nice Rainbow Nation Madiba crap. But there's going to come a time when it's going to cost us, and then I'm going to have to listen to Sia Colisi, we lose together. Like, no. Just as anything in life, relationships, whatever it is, everything's a risk, right? When you meet your lady or your dude, you don't know a friend. You meet her family, his family. It's a two-person family, and they're kind, and they're nice, and, and you're taking a gamble. That's life. 
So that's how good businesses are done, right? Ask Warren Buffett is play the numbers. So if Pollard's kicking stats are clearly international class, play Pollard. Because you don't lose anything with Pollard. Plus, oh, I'm worried about Libok on defense, by the way. He's lightweight. He is lightweight. So I'm not really looking forward to having this discussion because if you're not South African, let me tell you what's going to happen. I can I can already see how it's going to go. Like, it's clear. Like, Pollard's a better test player. I, I, I hate this notion that it's going to get racial. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to say... Like, if you... So, let me explain to... Maybe white people don't know this. So, when people hear a black person like me say it, they'll go, oh, you're so captured or whatever. And if you're white and you say, no, but Pollard's clearly better, you're racist, which you may or may not be. But in this case, we're just talking about rugby. But that's where it's going to go immediately because the Springboks obviously have a history of... You know, it is what it is. Like, if you're Afrikaans, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wear this one. There is a sort of apartheid connection to rugby still being exclusively for largely hoity-toity English oaks or Afrikaans people. And and if Libok doesn't get picked, that's immediately where it's going to go. And listen, South Africa has a complicated history. You you can put your head in the sand and go, just move on. If, like a child, or go, listen, complicated, it's going to take us a long time. I mean, people can't even move on from a relationship where they got dumped when they were 20. You know, tough to move on from that dark past. But that's where it's going to go, right? Like if, if Pollard, which is the right decision, comes back, it's immediately, oh, it's a color thing. It's not, because Pollard's better. He, he is better. I don't like anything I see about Lubok at test level yet. He needs to iron out the crap. Stop swinging the ball wide. This isn't the Goebokafelt, mate. This isn't Poland Lantpo or whatever school he went to. You're playing against the best athletes in the world. And, and it nearly cost us against Scotland, by the way. It, it should have been 20, 30 in that first half. But I fly off to... And, you know what the problem with Libok is? He has no tactical kicking game. So, as you could see, Scotland were kind of fronting up in that first half. Right? So, it wasn't working. But Pollard uh, would have the ability to put the ball in the corner. And you saw Scotland's line-out was falling apart, right? But Leibok doesn't have that ability. He doesn't have the ability when you're on the front foot to not run at the line or throw the big pass or try something exciting on fifth, sixth phase. Like, if it's not working, right, put the ball in the corner. But if you watch that game again, and if you watch his performances, he has zero. When I say zero, I mean absolutely nil. First, he can't kick an up and under, which is weird. But he has zero tactical kicking game. So he has no plan B. If the exciting stuff and the box aren't perfect like they were against New Zealand, you saw what happened in Scotland. Ireland are going to play like Scotland in the first half the whole game. The All Blacks, they're going to get Geordie Barrett back. They'll, they'll be fine. When we play them in the quarterfinal, it's going to look like Scotland in the first half, the whole game. It's not always going to be perfect. Then what? Like, you, you can't have one-dimensional at that level. At URC, it works. Because each team has five or six internationals. Not at this level, not, not anymore. When you play Ireland, you, you know, you come against England's pack. It's not going to be in the ascendancy. Then what? And now you're going backwards ball. So, 
I, I just, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't get why. Listen, South Africa is complicated, but this one's not complicated. Libok is cannot kick. And stop with the no-look kick thing. Like, that's awesome. But that's not your job. That's not your job. Like, if I call someone to be a plumber, right, and they, they're a good artist and they, they, they draw a picture of, I don't know, the wheat field and it's beautiful and it evokes something in my heart, but my drainage isn't fixed, why do I care? Mate, I don't want to, who cares about no-look kicks? Can you kick the ball over the poles 85% of the time? The answer is no. We've got bloody fuff de clack kicking. That, we are in a nightmare. And I, I don't want to hear South Africans in the quarterfinal when we lose, right? Because it's going to happen. And it may not be quarterfinal, it'll be semifinal. If you don't believe me, go look at the last World Cup. Wales, Pollard, what was it, six minutes to go, Pollard. You, you put the ball down, you know what's coming. But I don't want to hear people complaining and saying, Ugh, but at least he went for it and he, it was nice that it was exciting. I, I, don't, I don't care about exciting in the World Cup. I want to win. I, I'm very worried. And it's going to get ugly. You, you know it's going to get ugly and it's immediately going to get racial. Which is relevant on some occasions, not on this one. MKT inspires, slide in the DMs. Let me know your thoughts, but I'm so puzzled. Why is it even a conversation? Like, if, if you're going to do it out of 10, Leibok's like a 5 and Pollard's a 9 at test level. At URC, quite frankly, I don't care. There's a lot of people who look good at that level. I'm Marcus Smith and all these guys. I just do not care. When it's time, pressure makes cowards of all of us, is what they say. And it's going to be time where you're going to need a sideline kick. And this is why I said Horson should have gone. You're going to need a sideline kick. It's going to be 15-8 against Ireland, against the All Blacks. Oh, we'll see. See, maybe... maybe Maybe I'm just old and grouchy. But I saw my, I saw my greatest fears come to life in the Bok game against Scotland in that first half. Just put Pollard in. Christ alive. I, I just, I don't get it, man. Have I lost my mind? Maybe I've lost my mind. All right, quick one. Um, so what's Chelsea draw to Bournemouth? And you know what worries me there? Um, and I, I guess this is ha- this happens with young people. So if you're young and you're getting into anything, the one thing I can tolerate, and I, I know a few serious people, I can tolerate anything. What I cannot tolerate is casual. Don't be casual about your job. Don't be casual. If, if you're a casual person, you can have that in your personal life. Although it's very difficult to change your character between work and home. Don't be casual about your job. Chelsea have no cutting edge and are so casual. But this is what happens with young people, right? It's the youngest squad in the league. Everything seems so casual because a big part of young people is how things look. And the Chelsea guys almost, they play like they want it to be stylish up front. The perfect goal. You know, and then they're overthinking it and it's got to look silky. Like so many bad misses, so many delayed passes, an extra pass here and there. Like just shoot the ball. 
very, very worrying. Because you can get rid of, you, you know, you can live with, you can live with non-good movement, uh, lack of incisive passing. What you can't change is being casual and lackadaisical. It was very, very concerning to watch Chelsea dominate another game and just be casual in the final third. And just give it away again and again and again with the final pass. Very worrying as a Chelsea fan. Very, 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 very worrying. And you should be worried if you're a Chelsea fan. But when he brings in some older guys and Kunku comes back, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. MKT inspires MKT at the MKT show. All right. Let's get into where I was right, where I was wrong. Um, if you are new to the show, as I said, I make calls and then I tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. Okay, where I was right. Um, Casemiro's washed, guys. Listen, to spend 60 mil on a 30-year-old lets you know, I, I don't know what Man United, or what they're cooking over there. But he's... The, the one thing that got hidden about him at Real Madrid that I think Man United fans and all everyone's starting to see, he's terrible on the ball. So it's okay to have Onana, but now you've got Maguire, Lindelof, and Casemiro as the guys that are meant to transition the ball from defense to attack. It's a nightmare. He's terrible with the ball. And now his legs are gone. You know, when you've got Modric and Cruz, then you're just being a destroyer. You, you almost... Because Chris will come and get it from you, literally from your toes. You know, Eric Tenhag wants you to transition the ball from the goalkeeper, from the defense, through to the attacking lines in the 8-10 half space. So that's a disaster if you're a Man United fan. It, it, I was right. I've, I've called this. Uh, Casemiro's washed it. it. It's finished now. It's not a tactical thing. It's It's got nothing to do with any of that. Last season, he was good in patches but he's done he's washed it's over this is not Real Madrid and he's being sorely sorely exposed that's where I was right where I was wrong Liverpool are flying man Uh, played five won four drawn one unbeaten after five games he's transitioned the midfield in in three months and they're flying they are flying you love to see it if you're a Liverpool fan you hate to see it if you're anybody else I was wrong Liverpool are in the title mix where I was right, Jaden Sancho is a disaster. If you've listened to the show since 2019, he in lockdown went for a haircut. And I said on the show, it's not so much about the haircut. It's the fact that he thinks he can do what he likes. I'm, I'm not saying you must agree, disagree with vaccines, whatever. You know, if you if you know better than people that do their PhDs in, in a range of scientific fields, cool good for you you and joe rogan obviously know better than doctors um but my issue with the behavior lets you know is i'm the center of the world immaturity and i don't care about how this affects people regardless of my position in society because the thing in life is the more you get the more responsible you have to be sorry i don't want to hear he's 19 if you're 19 and you you are worth 100 million euros you need to be as responsible as, a, as somebody who's worth 100 million euros. No one cares that you're 19. No one. Absolutely no one. I was dead right. Jaden Sancho, an absolute disaster. Man United are finding out he's been banned from the first team. We'll see how that unfolds. It has been reported that he refuses to apologize. 
to Eric Ten Hag after his hissy fit the other day. Incredible. Where I was wrong, Man City are unbeatable. I thought they were going to drop the season 5-5, five and five, Erling Haaland. It's just insane. Jeremy Doku hit him with the gritty. Oh, man. You hate to see it. They get there. They might go unbeaten this season. I, I think I have to say that. I predicted they'd drop out the top four, but just because I thought of, there would be pep fatigue, but they are unplayable. I was wrong. Where I was right, listen, I like Son Hyung Min. I've always argued he's as good as Harry Kane. It's just that when you've got Harry Kane, that's a massive shadow. That's a massive, massive shadow. Son has been unbelievable. Spurs winning in the 112th minute, if I'm right. Oh, incredible scenes. Dejan Kulusevski. But Son's been instrumental. He's the new skipper. He's the, he's the right skipper. And, I mean, you saw how he's looking after Charleston. I mean, he's a grown-up, isn't he? Isn't he great? Son Heung-min is absolutely great. Like, that's the ideal guy. He's the second tier to, like, Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, right? That's really what you want. Face understands his role. He's the face of Samsung. He's the fa- I mean, I don't know if you saw, there was a, he was taking selfies with a person. They had an iPhone, but because, of course, he's from South Korea, he's the face, he's one of the faces of Samsung. He said, I can't hold that phone. I know it seems like a small thing, but that level of awareness, and he's not that old, he's 30 years old. That's very, very young. But his level of awareness, as well as his ability, because one of the things in life that are rare is talented people, right, who work hard, who are self-aware. Because most talented people are Jaden Sancho, Paul Pogba, you know, Daily Alley. And, and Daily Alley's one's a bit unique, but you get what I'm saying. Most talented people are too cool to work hard uh, and just be down to earth and, and accept the responsibility. They usually like somebody else to be captain. Neymar, Mbappe, like immature behavior, petulance. Son Heung-min, absolutely perfect. I said it years ago. I absolutely love him. And I was right there. Uh, lastly, where I was wrong, Chelsea are not making the top three. Forget it. I've just watched Arsenal uh, grind out a 1-0 win at a, at a terrific Everton, by the way. Listen, I know the fans booed. I know the fans walked out early. But I thought Everton were terrific today. They were really, really good. All they were missing is a bit of magic in the final third, almost like Chelsea. But I, I don't think they're going to get relegated. And by the way, Arsenal hadn't won there, I think, in six games. It's their first win there in six games or six years. One of the two. Terrific. But I was wrong. Chelsea, forget it. After what I saw against Bournemouth today. uh, Top five, maybe. But top three, forget it. Absolutely forget it. That is where I was right. That is where I was wrong. Slide in the DMs. MKT at the MKT show for emails. Otherwise, MKT inspires. MKT inspires. That's me. All right, let's get into Man United, hey? Um, Are Man United in crisis? Well, here's what happened. Man United lost 3-1 at Old Trafford, which is their stadium at home, uh, to Brighton. Uh, Brighton rested Evan Ferguson, Billy Gilmore, Verbruggen, Estapunen, March, Webster. That's six key players. Man United were only really missing Varane. And you can't say Mason Mount. Because if you say that, then I'm going to say... Brighton also rested Anzufati 
and João Pedro. So they rested, they rested eight players. If you're going to say, yeah, but what about Mason Mount and Amrabat? If you want to start counting guys who you don't even know how they're going to play for your team, I'm going to include João Pedro, who scored. By the way, came off the bench and scored. And the Wunderkind from Barcelona, Anzu Fati. And, and it looks even worse for Man United fans who will grumble and say, yeah, yeah, but what about Mason Mount? Uh, he's been terrible for 18 months for, for in English football. You don't know whether this is going to work. What I'm saying is Brighton, surefire, six key players were missing. Man United had one missing player, Rafael Varane. That's it. I don't want to hear about anything else. I don't want to hear about Juan Bissaka. He's not as good as Dello. And Dello played fine. Man United got absolutely schooled. Uh, Eric Tenag says it's not an emergency. Um, they've just got some character issues where they need to step up. Here are his words. He said, we must stick together. And here's what I loved. Stick to the plan and stick to the rules. End of quote. So it's not an emergency. We must stick together and stick to the plan and the rules. So that's a communication, I think, to the players, to the board, to everyone involved at Manchester United. Listen, here's the thing, man. You can't improve your life if you hang out with the same people. All right? People try and do this. I've seen, I've seen it before. So what's an easy one? You want to lose some weight. Get a bit healthier. I tell people all the time, who, who like serious people, you've got to stop hanging out with the people that live for Fridays. If you're going to hang out with people that live for wine night and you want to lose 10 kilograms, 15 kilograms, it's not going to happen because you are going to find yourself at wine night with people putting pressure on you to things you're susceptible to. And we're all susceptible to our environment. I don't care how old you are. So before you start to improve your life and flourish, get out of your old environment. Get away from the people that frequent the environments that led you to where you are. If you don't do that, you're laughing. As a friend of mine, Rogan Hill, always says, you're laughing. Get rid of the negatives before looking for progress. Easier said than done, but it's the only way. Listen, Ten Hag has Maguire, Lindelof, Wan-Bissaka, Van der Beek, McTominay, Martial, Rashford, and Sancho. That's eight main guys that he's inherited and are all his problem, by the way. They're not his players. They're all his problem. Not one of those guys would get into Man City. Not one of those guys gets into the Man City squad. Forget about team. They don't get in the Man City squad. Here's the issue with all the eight of those guys. They've all been a part of a decade of failure. I didn't include Bruno Fernandes because I think he had one good season uh, and Man United fans seem to like him. So they're in a good space with him. But those eight guys have been a part and are symbolic of the failure at Man United. And, Ma and he's stuck with them. Right? And he tried to sell Maguire and McTominay and what happened happened. But here's his biggest issue. And I've said it for years. I've said it for years. And I think because he's a good guy, people can't bring themselves to say he's a United lad. But his biggest issue is Marcus Rashford. 
Marcus Rashford has not developed in the eight seasons that he's been at Manchester United. You can't pay premium or you can't pay average players premium numbers. Because you don't have any power over the dressing room. You can't have Maguire paid the way he's paid. You can't have... I'm sorry, Marcus Rashford has not developed because here's the limitation with him. He can only play left wing. He can't even play right wing because he can't cross. And he doesn't hit the byline and he doesn't cross ever. It, it feels like he never crosses. So all he gives you is cut inside and shoot. That is his only skill. And he's, he's not like Iron Robin where he's clever, he's got a drop of the shoulder. It's, it's the same like pace, power, and if, he, if you read it, it's over. You know, because unlike Bukayo Saka, he doesn't have a, 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 like a, a subtlety to his play. Because Saka can drop inside, come short, play a bit of ticka-tacka, and then be clever with that run in behind. Marcus Rashford's only thing is he'll play on the last shoulder, long ball over the top, or cut inside and shoot. It's his only skill. So his only thing is his pace and cut inside and shoot. It's one skill. And by the way, he has not changed that from the very first season I saw him. He doesn't cross. He doesn't do link-up play. He can't play up front. He, he hasn't, and, and he doesn't feel like he's any stronger physically. Like, Saka now I'm seeing is imposing on the ball. Like, you knock him off the ball, it's going to be a contest. With Rashford, it's just like, what's going on, dude? And it'll be difficult because people defend Marcus Rashford with the cut inside and shoot thing. But he's not Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not like you're getting 40 goals a season. You can forgive it with Ronaldo. Because he's getting you 40 goals a season in the league for 10 years. Marcus Rashford, the, the highest numbers he's hit is 17. But here's the worst part. So he doesn't do link-up play. He doesn't drift inside. He doesn't bring other players into the game. He doesn't. Marcus Rashford has zero work rate off the ball. When, when United don't have the ball, he refuses to drop. So now, even if you're playing 4-3-3, which is the only formation you can play with Marcus Rashford because he can only play left wing, by the way. He can't play left mid. He can't play right mid. He can't play number 10. He can't play striker. Brighton are running a mark because you're playing two strikers in a system that's actually a one-striker system without the ball. You need your winger to work back. I'm sorry, in that system, you just cannot have it any other way. He has zero work rate without the ball. What have I really got in Marcus Rashford? And I was looking at the top eight because I, I wouldn't want him in the Chelsea team. I, and, and it sounds crazy, but I don't want him over Mudrik because Mudrik's playing badly, right? And obviously he's four years younger than him. But the nice thing about Mudrik is he can step into the number 10. He can give you the through balls. He, like, he can play in a different role. You can only play Rashford for pace, cut inside and shoot. You cannot tell me he's going to give you high assist numbers. Because he, he's not. Because he doesn't pass. So there's no way I want him at Chelsea. Absolutely no way. But then I looked at the top eight like clubs that I consider top eight. And I landed up with Aston Villa as my number eight team. And he doesn't get in that team. He doesn't get in ahead of Bailey. And he doesn't get in ahead of Diaby. I'm sorry. He just does not. You, you've seen what those two are doing. He doesn't. I mean, he feeds kids. He's got an MBE. It's not personal. 
seems like a great kid. I love my mother, but I don't want my mother running my my finances. It's crazy. It's a crazy situation what I watched yesterday. And what you've got to say, you know, you, you can afford mistakes in life. You can't afford disasters. But Sancho, Casemiro, Maguire, that they are catastrophic mistakes. Catastrophic mistake. But here's where I think the point is, right? Eric Ten Hag is asking losers. Because that's what Man United have been for the last 10 years. Losers. And these players, those eight players I named, McTominay, Martial, Rashford, Sancho, uh, Van der Beek, Juan Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, all of those guys are a bunch of a losing culture. And they've been at the forefront of it. They are the core of a losing and eroding culture. Here's one thing I've learned in life. You can't ask losers to behave like winners. Because when you start to put expectations on losers, like they're winners, they become very unhappy. Because losing is quite easy. You, you don't have expectations. Anyone can lose. Eric Ten Hag said, we must stick together and stick to the plan and the rules. He's talking to those eight players and some. I'm not saying that I, I don't know them personally. What I'm saying is these guys have been at the center of a losing culture for eight years. For 10 years. Sorry, those main eight guys. All, all joined at different times, but they have been at the center of losing. But more importantly, you can't tell me Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho, Solskjaer, Ranić, and Ten Hag are all the problem. At some stage, we need to say, oh, is Marcus Rashford that guy? What's the truth about Maguire? Like, what's going on with this nonsense about him being abused? Like, that's PR. I'm sorry, that has been mandated by a PR company. That's, they've got Rory McElroy commenting on. He has received no abuse. Listen, he may, have, he may have got some stuff in the DMs and whatever. But at that level, you should be willing to get critiqued. CEOs get critiqued. What are we talking about? Why are we protecting millionaires? If you want to earn £10 million a year, the fans have a right to say it. The only reason you earn that amount of money is the interest from fans. Now, the TV companies don't care about fans anymore. They don't. They, they just don't. Right? Because all the money... But, but essentially, the only reason rights are worth 10 billion is because fans are interested. Now, the, although the, the, the media companies will treat us like kids, blaming Man United fans, like Man United fans are the problem. No, Man United fans have been watching football. Like, I haven't heard a Man United fan saying anything negative about Luke Shaw. No one's bantering Luke Shaw. You know why? Because he's the man then. Like, we're not idiots. We can see when a player's a joke. Nobody, I, like, I watch a lot of football. I watch everything, right? I watch a lot of Premier League. I watch every game, especially the big teams. I'm not bantering Luke Shaw. And no Man United fan in my time, outside of his weight, which I makes me furious that 
I sport him so overweight. But no one's ever said anything about Luke Shaw. You know why? Because it's not personal. It's about football. The Man United fans, nobody knows your club better than you two. You live it. I don't care where you are at the office this morning. You are on pages, on forums, on Twitter, reading about your club, looking for sources um, about what's going on in your club. You live it. It's, it's in football specials in your life 24-7. I don't care what you do for a living. It can ruin a weekend like nothing else. So I hate the fact that Sky Sports and Brendan Rodgers and these people who think because they're, they're involved in the game, they know better than fans. You don't. Fans know their club. Man United fans know their club better than anyone. And they're telling you that Maguire's not good enough. I'm sorry, it's not abuse. Fans know what's going on. Don't treat us like kids. But Eric Ten Hag trying to treat, treat uh, losers like winners. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. And obviously, the, it's not good with the, with, with the um, owners, right? But it hasn't been a lack of resources. It's poor allocation of resources. And you can put that down to whatever. I, I don't want to start getting into the ownership. Like, I think that's too easy of a cop-out. Like, let's start looking at particularly those eight players. But if your pinup is Marcus Rashford... And I don't think he gets in the Aston Villa team. You need to, as Man United fans, be able to say, oh my God, this is where our club is. Marcus Rashford has not developed, by the way. And Eric Ten Hag's hands are tied. You, you can't drop him. You see, he doesn't even take him off. Doesn't even take him off. He should have taken him off yesterday. Don't know why he took Hoyland off. I'm sorry, Hoyland just played two games for Denmark. He's not injured. Give me a break. He just doesn't want to take Rashford off, right? It's not a disaster. It's a character issue. I think Man United have to stick with this manager at least another three years because you've got to get rid of these guys. You've got to get rid of Maguire and Lindelof and Juan Basaka and Van der Beek and McTominay and Martial and Sancho. And, and I would get rid of Rashford. I'm sorry. Like, he's a, he's a big part of the problem. Because that's your standard. He's your highest paid player. That's the standard. He doesn't get in the Aston Villa team. What are we doing? What are we doing? Tough times. And he says it's not a disaster. It's not a crisis. I don't think it's a crisis either. It's the status quo of the last 10 years. So how can it be a crisis? I don't think it's reasonable to have Maguire, Lindelof, Juan Bissaka, Van der Beek, McTominay, Martial, Rashford and Sancho and have seen what they are over the last decade. I, I mean, they are symptoms of the last decade and expect them to win. It's not reasonable. You're not being reasonable as a fan. Love to know what you think. But I, I'm, I'm with the manager. Stick with the manager. You have to give it another two, three years so you can get rid of these guys. In three years' time, then he starts to have his own squad. And it can't be loans like Amrabat will my last minute. MKT inspires your thoughts on Man United. Is it a crisis? Are Man United in crisis? MKT at the MKT show. What are the factors that are letting Man United down? If you're a Man United fan, are you with the media? Maybe you agree with Brendan Rodgers and Rory McIlroy. And I don't know who else they asked. 
uh, I think it was Simon Jordan who was saying the Man United fans are to blame. Maybe you think that as well. Are the Man United fans to blame? I mean, I, I heard them blaming online like or uh, YouTubers. I'm like, what are you talking about? Stop! Don't treat th- this is why more people watch the United Stand, and I don't work for the United Stand, but th- more people watch the United Stand than watch Sky Sport for Man United games because the guys there don't treat the guys like kids; they behave like fans. So basically, the way I'm interpreting it is that they're suggesting because they work at hoity-toity places and they're they've worked in the game and they're journalists, they know better than the fans. That's a piss take. That's why people watch the United Stand, because they're sick and tired of PR washed, sanitized, like clearly sort of corroborated stuff. Like these guys essentially want interviews with Maguire. These journalists, it's it's why journalism is dying, because none of them give an opinion. It's always to protect that brand so they can go to Man United and get a like a journalist card. It's, it's, it's madness. It's why digital's winning. It's why podcasts are winning. So I, I found that really, really demeaning to Man United fans. Nobody knows that club like their fans. I'm sorry. I know sports fans. They know it way better. Way better than any journalist. Way better than any footballer. Because footballers are the worst people to ask. Because all they do is watch their club and prepare for the next game. I don't want to hear abuse. Harry Maguire's not being abused. He's crap. He's rubbish. Harry Maguire should not be a Man United. It's, it's hysterical to, to the rest of us. But don't tell your Man United fans they don't know what they're seeing. They, they know what they know what Vidic looks like. I'm sorry. I'm a Chelsea fan. I've never bantered Michael Carrick. Because football fans know. Like, like, you don't need to know what an inverted winger or an inverted wingback is, right? To know Michael Carrick was, wow, that's just a baller. Like fans know, it's not a very, it's the beauty of football. They call it the working class ballet. You know, it's beauty is, is in its simplicity, football. If you've watched football for long enough, you can just see a baller, man. We, we call it a baller. Like no one's, I haven't heard anybody in all honesty, who's, you know, who's bantering, like I say, the only guy I think who's proper at United is Luke Shaw. I keep using that example. I'm trying to find another one. But but no one in the football world is is abusing Luke Shaw. It's just been like, okay, this guy's proper. The left side for Man United is a lockdown. Because he's proper. No Arsenal fan, no Man City fans laughing at him. No. It ain't happening. There's a reason Maguire is getting bantered. It's not personal. MKT inspires. Love to know what you guys think. Would love to know what you think. What are your thoughts there? Would love to know your thoughts if you're a Man United fan. All right, let's uh, let's do a mailbag. Let's do a quick mailbag. I won't say who the person is. <laughs> But I quite like this. Hello, Mr. MKT. What do you think is appropriate to show respect? Uh, so, hello, Mr. MKT. Brackets. What do you think is, a, is appropriate to show respect to people who are older than you in English? Because I can't say Uncle MKT 
Because, I mean, well, we don't know each other personally. Which I think is a great point. So, ran into a youngster from school back in the day. And, I mean, he's not young because I'm old. But he's four years younger than me. He was my grade eight. And he's like, how's it, sir? I'm like, bro, you're 30. Or like 33 or whatever. Why are you saying sir? But then I realized, oh, I'm old. And that's what he called me in school. So it's quite funny. don't know. It's a good question. If you're English, what do you... It's a bit of a tricky one to explain because... You know, English folks were one of the greatest shocks of my life when I was younger. Because you go to white people's houses and they just call their uncle like Richard. You know, we say Malum, which means uncle. You, you would never call your uncle by his name. You know? You would never say, hey, Abednego. It's just a name that might be your uncle's name. I don't, I, there's no need to overreact to why I use that name. But you, you, you get the point. So to the person in the DMs, I don't know. I don't know. What is a respectful way? Other than sir or ma'am. But I'm not sir. MKT is fine. Like, I, I'm, not a very, I'm not a very formal person. I'm not really into titles. My mom used to have a great saying. You know, so both my parents really hate politicians. So we were raised uh, to kind of hate politicians. And, you know, politicians love a title. And my mother always used to say, the title doesn't do the job. So, so I've been raised in a world, and I know it's a bit of a thing in the aristocracy. I'm not big on titles. Like, my mom never changed it. So my mom's a doctor. She never changed it in her... Um, ID she's like really she's she's one of the least into it people I've ever met like don't worry about it she's like don't worry about it she knows she's a doctor <laughs> you know like unless she's working overseas or whatever where she needs a certificate but she no one calls her doctor Makala you know anywho Yes, my, my mother has a different surname to me. Anyway. All right. Hello, Mr. MKT. Blah, 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 blah. Let's get to the question. She says, now here comes the actual question. I had made a friend in uni this year, and she basically exposed me to her previous life, which involved use of drugs, and she told me that she wanted to change. I believed her, and I found myself behaving more and more like her until my parents had to get involved and help me. It was easy for me to let go of that lifestyle because it's not how I was raised and it's not part of my character. I left the friend in the dark and sort of disappeared off social media. Moving forward, do I try and help her or do I let her go? Because I can't blame her for everything. I also need to hold myself accountable. It's a tricky one, that one. It's a tricky one. Here's what I know about drug addicts. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cast judgment because drugs are very, very complicated. They've been in my life. I lost two uncles to drugs, right? Addiction. Well, one to drugs, and the other was drugs, and yeah, he was a bit of a, bit of a maverick, a bit of a gangster. Literally. So we're not sure whether it was the drugs or whether he got killed. But anyway, 
yeah, incredible guy. One of the funniest humans to ever live. But gangsterism ends in one way. You know, drugs are an interesting one. Um, when people take drugs largely, the research is quite clear. And, you know, I, I, talked, I, I have spoken to my mother a lot about it. I, so I've never done a drug. I've never even smoked a cigarette. Um, it's just not my thing. And I'm not into like weed. And I, uh, I'll be honest with you. I think weed's for losers. But whatever. Like, It's like <laughs> I used to work with this guy called Ben Karpinski. And he had a great saying. Like, the smell of weed smells like loser. And I, I've, I've always remembered that and laughed when I hear it. Like, well, whatever. If you smoke weed. like I, I, To be honest, I'm a very self-centered person. Like, I'm not the most enlightened person in the world. I don't really care. I, like, when I stopped drinking, I thought I was better than everyone for a couple of years. I think I've discussed this on the podcast. But now I just don't care. Like, because especially, like, I don't know if you've met people who smoke weed and it's just a plant. It's like, no, no, no. no. The, the neuroscience is quite clear what uh, marijuana is doing to your brain. But, but whatever. Who, like, like, who cares? Quite, quite, quite frankly, live, live your life. And if you, if you want to live your life that way, live your life that way. Who, who cares? Like, who, who am I to tell you? Well, why am I better than you? You know, and every, everybody's going through something, but drugs are an interesting one, um, because more often than not, people are looking to ameliorate something. Ameliorate—that's a good one. You you can look that word up. I wasn't meaning to sound fancy there, but but people are looking to douse something, usually painful. Uh, people don't just take drugs. Very few people take them recreationally. The numbers are clear. Most drug users are poor. Right? That's uh, it's a big part of it. But even those rich kids who take cocaine, it's very rarely for enjoyment. It's usually an existential crisis, anxiety. Um, and, and, and there's a spectrum of thought in and around this. Like, hey, the human condition is difficult, man. Especially when you don't have a purpose. So abuse is often a big one. People have been abused or, or they've perceived it that way. And, you know, and they think that um, making it go away. And then obviously, you know, depending what drugs you take, um, they are pseudo-dopamine. All right. And what they do usually most most of the drugs that rich kids take i don't know what drugs you you and your friend were doing all right is they release a chemical in your brain called dopamine but the problem with releasing too much dopamine which is why cocaine and these things is is actually you can't have too much dopamine because when that happens right uh, your brain needs to flush dopamine out and when you have it on constant on tap, which is what happens when you take like, I'll just give you an example, cocaine. What happens then, right, is your brain can't turn that tap off. So it's literally, it's a binary movement, right? I, I don't know if, we, if you want to have a neuroscience lesson here. So I, I want to try and keep it as simple as possible. But imagine opening a tap and just leaving it open. Right, eventually it's going to flood, right? You flood the yard, flood whatever. That's essentially what happens with dopamine. And that's 
absolutely terrible for your brand because it's a sophisticated ecosystem up there that needs to be unbelievably, unbelievably carefully balanced as we're finding out with human beings now. But often people are using it to cover some pain, some trauma, whether it's poverty. Poverty is a painful way to live. Mostly, mostly it's poverty. Like mostly poor people take drugs. But some people, uh, rich kids mostly, feel left out, ignored by family, don't live up to expectations, um, have no purpose. They have everything but nothing. You know, that, that, old, that old chestnut. That's why most, most people who take cocaine, right? when I say other drugs, it's cheap drugs, but when it's, when it's your top-end stuff, it's rich kids, right? Like poor people can't afford cocaine. And that's probably the biggest mark in the world. It's because they've got, like, generally it comes down to no purpose. So I don't know what happened to this person. I don't know what happened to you, what drove you down there. But um, I hope you've gotten away from it. But one thing I'll tell you about drugs, and I know this for a fact, because it's in my family even now. I've got a, a few cousins, a few nephews who are going through it. Like, I just don't care. Like, I'm more like my dad, like, if you're going to take drugs, that's cool. That's on you. Like, all the best. And that's not the most enlightened position. My, my, my mother takes a far more enlightened position is trying to help people. But one thing I want to tell you is if... I never, ever trust a drug addict. Never, ever, ever trust a drug addict. Don't, don't listen to them. They'll never change. The only way to change as a drug addict is to stop and I don't mean like part-time and oh, I only smoke on the weekend. You got to go cold turkey. The thing about drug addicts, nothing else in life can give them that, uh, that dopamine. And, and the thing about drugs is you're cheating the system because most of us have to work hard to get the dopamine. So you got to be nice to people, nice to yourself, work hard on yourself. Do something rigorous. And then at the end of that, we know, and this is hardwired into us, all enjoyment is directly correlated to how hard you have to work to get that thing, whatever it may be. Which is why often people, and, and people think, oh, oh, these people are terrible. But often chasing a girl is much better than actually being with her. Because the hard work is actually the enjoyable part. And now, now what? There is no dopamine hit to like, oh, she's my girlfriend now. And then that's where we usually all tail off, right? Or boyfriend or whatever. All, all enjoyment of life, which is why the rich kids have to take cocaine because they, they've never had to struggle in their lives, is all enjoyment is directly correlated to how hard you've had to struggle for that thing. So what I'd say to you is you can't trust drug addicts drug addicts you can't you, you just cannot they are not trustworthy people depending how far deep they are but but the only way is for that person to completely stop you, usually they find jesus i like i'm not a jesus guy but usually that's the way out right but we're like whatever we've all we, we all have methods that help us cope and if like if jesus helps you be a better person that's all that matters right 
I, I, I think that's my opinion. Like, what if it makes you a half decent person? Like, I don't need to now have you come convert me though. Like, if Jesus is saving your life, amazing, correct? I, like, genuinely, I, I don't say that in a facetious way. This life thing's hard. Or, or, or let me say, I find it challenging to be human. You know, it's also amazing. I, like, I find it amazing. I've never had anxiety or anything like that. And I'm fortunate. I've got a great family and some good friends. But if you're asking for advice, you absolutely need to cut that person off. Like yesterday. I was talking to uh, my old lady last week. And you know, like I'm not the greatest person in the world, but I'm 37 now. And we were talking about, we are talking about sort of relationships and what I'm looking for. And my, my mom's getting more and more inquisitive on that front. And I said to her, look, mom, you know, one of the things that I'm becoming really grateful to my parents for, to both my parents is, and, and I'm seeing it in a lot of people. I say to, I said to her, look, you know, mom, I'm struggling to find somebody. And I try and say this to people straight away is, I'm not going to raise someone else's child. You must raise yourself. Like, if you have kids, you must raise your kids. So that when I meet you at 37, I don't want to raise you. Like, I'm not perfect. I've got lots of, I've got lots of failures and lots of shortcomings. But one thing I am is domesticated because my parents raised me. I, now, that does not make me better than you. It doesn't make me perfect. But what it makes me is an adult. Right? I am, I am in my view, an adult. Like, I get it. Respect, you know. Get on with your stuff. I didn't for a long time until I was 30. I, I, I don't want to pretend. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. But part of that is to say you've got to know who to value in life. So if you're saying you, you value your parents, you said uh, because of the way you're raised and your character, right? You've got to put value in who do you want to be around and what do you want to represent? And if your character is your family, your morals, your your family ethos, which they are now for me. So it's very, it was very easy for me to let go of most people. And it's, it's why I'm very comfortable on my own because I believe in my family ethos. And if you don't fit into those, like you're not adding into my life, stay, stay golden. You've got to cut that person off. Like, who are they? Did you put them in that situation? Why are you feeling guilty? Because it's far more important to me, and I was telling my mother about this, it's far more important to me what my mother and my sister and my friends think about me than some random who's on drugs. Like, I, I, I mean, I wasn't talking about your situation. It just came up. But you've got to have a clear order on where your self-worth lies, you know? Like, I'm very, very clear. I, I was actually writing this list the other day. There's only four people, really, in my life who have access to my self-worth. It's my father, it's my mother, it's my sister, and it's, it's my mom. Everybody else is secondary. And I'm not going to them seeking that. I'm behaving in ethos that they've given me. And they exude. And I'm trying to live that way. Because good ideas will translate. Right? Like being honest is a good idea. Whether you're here, in India, in Brazil. So if you carry yourself with trying to be honest. It doesn't matter where you are. People will gravitate to you. If you work hard. It does not matter whether you're in Lithuania or Argentina, that's going to translate, right? Good ideas are good ideas. And a good
good idea is to get away from drug addicts. But be very clear who has access to your self-worth. Because it sounds like you're saying character and your parents. That's what you should care about. Like, that, there's your answer, right? Like, you didn't leave this person in the lurch. Who cares? Because at the end of the day, part of this conversation with my mom, why I started telling you about it, was I said, you know, and I've never said this to my mother. I said, you know, mom, I want to thank you for this. Is and sometimes I think we just presume our parents know this. Now, I don't know if other people, I'd love to hear if you have. I'm very close to my family now. But I said to her, you know, mom, your, your job's over. Because my mom's a carer and she needs to hear this stuff. I said, your job's over. You've raised me. Everything is my fault now. So if you're commending your parents, what I'm trying to say is, if you're commending them for having raised you and created this character which you talk about, Right? It's not, their, it's not their job to make this decision for you. You need to go, what is my family ethos? What is this character? What, what does that mean to you? Because when I hear the word character, I love that word. Um, and again, we mustn't confuse character for behavior, right? Character is repeated behavior. And if somebody behaves well or badly once, that's not their character. It's just the behavior. But a set of behavior becomes your character. So... You know, it's not your parents' job now. Like, I don't know how old you are as well. Sorry, I'm 37. And I was saying to my mom last week, like, hey, you're free from this thing now. I mean, they, they'll never see it this way. But I, I, say, I had to say to her, like, you've done your job. You've done your job. You've raised me. Everything from here is my fault. You've put every... Like, my parents really poured it on. And I ignored it for 10 years. And it went haywire. So don't trust drug addicts and and go and think about what this character word means to you and what your family means to you. Because ultimately in the end, what do you mean to yourself is all that, that that's how I look at my life. Because everybody's busy living their lives, by the way. So even if you go and take drugs again, nobody cares. Not because people are terrible. But people are paying bills. Like, people have their own stuff. Like, you've got to get over yourself, you know? We all do. Like, get over yourself. Nobody, ca- nobody cares that much. Like, if you get fired tomorrow, oh, man, it's terrible. But nobody really cares. Like, get out of your ego and just get on with it. Like, no one's that invested in your life position because they are the center of their own world. And their mom's sick. And their boyfriend's fighting with them. And they're the only person... And it's a tough one. It's a tough one because ideally we are social creatures. The only person you have to worry about is yourself here. Like, do you want to be around drug addicts? All right. So I'm big at writing things down. And I once learned a, a technique for, it, it was from Jim Ron. He started, um, what's the annoying health people? Whatever they're called, you know, they're, they're always calling and doing fitness camps. Anyway, he started that. But he had an incredible way, and I, I read his book. And to diagnose a problem is you write it down. So on one side, you write the problem down, but you write everything. You must think about the problem carefully. And then on the other side, you, you go to your answers and your solutions. But on your problem, you must write the whole problem. So you might say the drug dealer, okay, so I don't know. 
they take drugs, okay? Problem. Uh, you like them as a person. That's a problem. But you end up in places where you've got to draw a thousand rand because their drug dealer's chasing them and you don't have money and now you have to lie to your family. Okay, that's part of the problem. And you have to diagnose the whole problem. And on the other side, answers and solutions. Because ultimately, it's just you, hey? That's just like your life is your life. Don't, don't. Don't hang around people who do drugs. It's not as cool as it sounds. It's not. This is real life. It's real life, man. And, you know, I had a, a varsity teacher say something to me which changed my mindset way back when. When I was failing. And she asked me, like, in a, in a very desperate way, she said, don't you have somebody who you want to make proud? And I'd never thought about that, really. Like, it can't... You, you know, ultimately it's about you, but it can't just be about you. Like, your parents didn't raise you to be around drug addicts. They didn't work. I don't know what your parents did, but you're South African and you're black. I presume at best you're second generation middle class. At best. You know, people have to work hard to put you in these universities and these positions. If I'm presuming you're, you're in that institution. Like, don't, don't be like me and just take it for granted. Because that, that's just, that's dickhead behavior, you know? Like You've you got to be grateful for people that came before you, home. you got to be careful because th- th- that's real money and your parents would have worked through a birthday to get an education for themselves or uplift themselves and now you want to go take drugs because you're, you want to be cool. Like, what the, f- what the shit are we even talking about? What the shit are we even talking about? No, kick that person to the curb. I'm sorry. It's not your child. It's not your job to raise other people's children. It's not. It is not your job to raise other people's children. Doesn't mean you can't be empathetic if somebody's going through some stuff in life. But if they're a drug addict, do not trust them. What are your thoughts? Maybe you're on drugs. And maybe I'm just old and square. But uh, people on drugs must get away from me. It's how I live my life. I don't want any part of that. I've been in that world. Trust me, I used to roll with models and crazy people in the UK and Russia. I've been in that world. Fortunate enough to have never delved into it. I used to booze big time. Big time. I had a, I had a big problem, but luckily I wasn't addicted to alcohol. I think um, it, I, I just didn't know how to deal with my problems. And I was a dickhead, to be honest. Like, all of my problems were self like, I, I'm, I was born middle class, to be completely honest. Like, I've never had problems. Like, real problems, you know? Like, people have real problems. I was just a little bit sad because I wasn't living up to my family standards. Like a boo-hoo, you know? Failed football career. Like, I've never had real problems other than a failure of character. That's not a real problem. That's just you being a weak dickhead. And I say you being me. So I've never had real problems. Like, so I've never had to take drugs. Because I've never had... When I say real problems, I mean there are people with real problems. Like, like if you're poor, you have a real existential threat. I've never faced an existential threat. I created them. Right? But that's just being a, a prick. I, like, my stuff was just being a prick. 
You don't want to be this person. Don't be this person. Don't do it for you. Don't do it to your parents. Don't do it to your family. Like, what do we do? There's lots of other cool ways to to achieve the pseudo hysteria of of drugs. Trust me. Lots of there's lots of cool stuff you can do around the world to replicate that. Great human relationships can trigger way better in healthier doses releases of dopamine. And ultimately, I'll tell you this, and this is a this is a lesson learned just on my own. The best relationship you can be in is with yourself. Nothing else will make you happy. If you're not in a good relationship with yourself, if you don't like yourself, just forget the rest. And if, you, if you're taking drugs and you like yourself, you're a special psychopath. I'm sorry. You are a psychopath. So, you know, you prob- probably have some work to do if you're even asking me that question. What do you think of yourself? Because if you think you should be hanging around with drug addicts, I can't imagine that means you think very much of yourself. And I think that's a fair thing to say. I don't think that's too harsh to say. If you're hanging around with drug addicts, that's what you think of yourself. So I keep certain company now in my life. And even then, in limited doses, because I like to hang with a certain type of person. And nobody's perfect, by the way. Everyone in my life is going through something, is flawed. I don't expect people to be perfect. I expect them to be human. But I do expect high character. And I... Again, my father always used to say, listen, he's just after reasonable expectations. My father always said, it's just about reasonable expectations. So for him, it was reasonable to expect middle-class kids to be A students. Now, my sister delivered on that. I did not. Cause some problems at home. But my father's big on realistic expectations. And I think it's fair for everyone to say that. And for me, one of my things is, not perfect, high character. Are you high character? For me, that is a reasonable expectation if you want to hang out with me. Are you a high character person? That may not be important to you. So maybe you must define what's a reasonable expectation of yourself for yourself and then extend that to people around you, right? My, fa- my father always also, he always used to say to us, listen. And again, he's a very, very high achiever in my opinion. Now, you might come from an even better family. Like my father's master's, Cambridge University in, you know, in mechanical, sorry, in chemical engineering and metology. And, you know, he always used to say, I will never expect something of myself that I don't expect of you. So I think that's a good place to start. What do you expect of yourself? And then you can extend that to other people, right? Like, like I can be a bit of a dickhead about fitness. I expect people to be fit because I'm fit. For instance, I'll give you an example. And you can extrapolate that to other things, you know. If you're a nice person, you can expect people to be nice around you. And it's a reasonable expectation. Because that's, that's what life's about, right? If you want to be a nice person. And by nice, I think that's a complicated word. If you want to be a half-decent human being. Or if you just want to be human. is You've got to have reasonable expectations. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. For now, I am... The hell out of here.